Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, 88.9 FM, WQCS, that is National Public Radio of the Treasure Coast. Uh, I believe we're being picked up in various places, even as far as Canada now, (laughs) and podcast-related mediums. But um, the main main thing is community, and uh, the community at large we try to serve, and it's global, uh, and we look at health from all different perspectives here. We have guests every week, new guests every week, and we try to really, um, I think, bring things to light that really need attention. And I've been so proud to do this for years now, and your support is just absolutely necessary. So keep in touch, social media. Uh, look me up, Dr. Ken, Doc Ken, uh, various social media platforms, Maximum Health on uh, Facebook, um, and uh, email me, drken at drkengray.com, and that is G-R-E-Y. So today we wanted to bring to you a, um, a wonderful lady that I met at a fundraiser recently, and uh, we touched base, and it's I've had Place of Hope on the show before, but I wanted to touch base again because you've been, Place of Hope has been working a lot with not only what they've been doing, which is rescuing abused and neglected children for years, since mm-hmm. 2001, right, Jamie? Yes. Uh, however, there's this uh, big concern that everyone has really uh, been taken aback by, especially with some of the recent news um, that's, that's really shed light on it, which is human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And Place of Hope has been helping with that as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, so Jamie Bond is the business development uh, and community relations for Martin, St. Lucie, Indian River, and Okeechobee counties. Mm-hmm. And because of the work you and Place of Hope are doing, hundreds, hundreds, mm-hmm. not dozens, <laughs> hundreds of children yep. have been helped and saved Over from... Over 11,000 since yeah. 2001. Wow. Mm-hmm. And this is these are children who be, would become adults, who mm-hmm. would become otherwise criminals, who would become otherwise oftentimes yes. maybe not even survive Correct. their situations, so may not even become mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. And because of Place of Hope, they're still here. And so we our conversation started um, because I when I was introduced to you and you were Place of Hope, I says, "Wait, the Haven," mm-hmm. <laughs> which. I used to teach art yep. at in uh, it was in Boca, mm-hmm. Place of Hope. Now assumed the Haven, and that's been for years now. Correct, right? Yeah. So, and and my experience was I worked for the Center for Creative Education while I was going through school, and mm-hmm. I was teaching art to different 
uh, homeschoolers. I was teaching at the Lighthouse, Center for the Arts, different places, and, and of course, schools. Yeah. And so what was interesting about this sending me here uh, to the Haven in Boca was that they said it would be difficult. They said these were older children. Mm-hmm. And they could care less about art. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and when I met them, I realized that that was true. Mm-hmm. And I'll get to the point of this whole thing, which is okay. individualized care and concern and compassion, which is really what I had to um, employ all of those because I had to figure out a way to engage. And so what I did was create a, m- a multi-stage program, which involved filming and telling stories about their life at the Haven, yeah. which in, they then learned storyboarding. Mm-hmm. And then I worked in rewards, which involved fishing. So these children who had never had a dad to take them fishing cool. now had someone to take them fishing in the canal back, mm-hmm. uh, in the back of the haven there. And I taught them in how to bait hooks and everything. And then as a reward for the finished product, which ended up being a film that the community saw, which they created, mm-hmm. edited, everything, uh, we went out to Lake Okeechobee and we had... Uh, flats boats rented, we had buses rented, we had donations to provide for all this, and all these children got to fish on Lake Okeechobee. It's about a dozen children. Who I, I, It's got to be one of the most wonderful things I, I've ever been a part of, and hopefully something that has changed our lives for the better. Oh, absolutely, it has, I'm sure. Yeah. So here we are, Place mm-hmm. of Hope, doing a lot. What is, so, so besides rescuing abused and be- neglected children, what are some of the points that you really want to well, so, so Place of Hope, we are a child placing agency. So our primary function is to care for children mm-hmm. um, who have been removed from their homes because of abuse, neglect, or trafficking by the Department of Children and Families or law enforcement right. when they have to go in and remove that child. Um, and as you mentioned... What are some of these cases, though? Mm-hmm. When they have to go in and remove... Like, I, I know it gets kind of graphic, but give us some examples. Unfortunately, it's, it's very egregious. Um, mm-hmm. The system is so flooded and overwhelmed with children that the tolerance or the threshold to remove a child unfortunately is is very high sometimes it takes a death of a child for dcf to come in and say okay we need to remove these other children um multiple investigations i mean there was a girl probably a year 14 months ago now um that was found dead in her grandmother's freezer and it took that incident for DCF to make that final call to remove the other children from the home. So this was a grandmother, mm-hmm. grandchildren, mm-hmm. all of them were her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Parents nowhere to be found. No, mom was the one that did it. Really? Mm-hmm. And there were six prior investigations um, on that case. So it's unfortunately, like I said, the threshold sometimes is just is, is so high. This is jaw-dropping and mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you deal with this, mm-hmm. you see this. And yeah. this is we have 345 kids in our care yeah. on a daily basis. Wow. Yeah. So so by the time, it's almost like a very big scream has to happen, like you're saying. It can't mm-hmm. be a whisper. Yeah. Um, and, and so you're, you're out there, and you're, you've gotta, got your hands in, in yeah. the community trying to make mm-hmm. sure that you can add to the awareness. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, so in Place of Hope, um, like you mentioned earlier, started in 2001, and we started by um, creating our residential model in uh, Palm Beach Gardens in, in, uh, at North Lake and Military and caring for children who needed more of, they needed that stability, that love, that environment that they've never experienced before. So we have um, 
marry, a married couple that lives in each one of our homes and models for these kids what life looks like. Um, as we started to grow and evolve, we realized that we needed scattered site foster homes mm-hmm. in the community. So we grew and evolved into the scattered site foster homes. That's if you wanted to be a foster parent, we would train you, license you, mm-hmm. uh, provide the wraparound services and place the children in your home, and then also provide the case management for those children. From there in 2006, we started to identify the need for aged up foster youth and mm-hmm. homeless youth. So that's where um, our Boca campus came in to play. Um, that was five or six years ago. But in 2006, we created or and established our Villages of Hope. And that was for 18 to 24 aged out foster care uh, foster youth. Halfway through that process, we realized that half of these kids that were applying or these young adults that were applying for this program, because it's not a handout, it's, it's a very structured, regimented program, we realized half of them were homeless youth that deserved the same opportunity. They should have been put in foster care. They went through all of the same trauma. They were victimized in many ways. Um, and now they're 18 and they're out of the streets where do you go? Mm -hmm. So we started to see within 12 to 18 months that they would become incarcerated or pregnant. So we we created Villages of Hope to provide them that stable transition into healthy adulthood. Um, Again, it's not a handout. So they're paying rent and we call it a program fee. They're in school. They are finishing their GED or going on to college, post-secondary, whatever that looks like, and just breaking statistics and boundaries. Along those same lines, we started to care for teens who were also homeless and pregnant. Um, and through all of that, for the last 17 years, we've been entrenched in caring for victims of human trafficking, or sexual exploitation. Um, and it, it's only been the last maybe five years or so that people have really stepped up to say, okay, something is really happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been the challenge is to help these children these young adults identify that they have been victimized or they've been trafficked. We work with a survivor um, who is now in her late 20s, and she was trafficked by her mom at the age of 10 years old for $10 worth of drugs. Her mom took her to her drug deal, and her trafficker said, how much for your daughter? And she gave her for $10. So that was her norm starting at 10 years old. So when she when her mom and dad tried to commit suicide in front of her and DCF removed her from her care, she entered into the foster care system. We had asked her, at what point in your life did you realize that you were being trafficked, that this was not normal? And she said, I never realized it because this was my norm. This was what I thought a mom and a dad and a family did. I thought that was normal. So the hard part you know, are the human trafficking victims, you're, they're not going to be people, regardless of their age, they could be 40 years old, they could be 19 years old, they could be 10. They're not going to say, hey, I'm being trafficked, come save me, right? So it's um, a matter of identifying them. And we've really done that. Um, we've worked and strived so hard to do that um, over the last 17 years. And it wasn't until a year and a half ago. So last January, we launched our human trafficking education prevention program. Um, And that really is to get out into the community and build awareness and help them identify what is human trafficking. It's not the movie Taken. It's not kids being kidnapped from the mall. Like people think, you know, being vigilant and all that kind of stuff. It really is not that. It is, it's not stranger danger. It's grooming. uh, (laughs) I don't, I mean, you're, you're dealing with this all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't thank God. Yeah. But I, anyone listening has their jaw has got to be on the floor. Sure. I mean, we just got to slow down for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, and th- this is not a laughing matter. I'm not, yeah. I, I mean, if I wasn't laughing, I'd literally be crying right now. Yes. 
Um, so I'm trying to keep a light spirit because I've got to communicate with you. But I am. T- this is incredible Seven. that there mm-hmm. are people in this country mm-hmm. that are being sold for ten dollars yes. by their parents, mm-hmm. um, living that life, thinking that that is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, their bodies being abused. Yep. Drugs are obviously a part of this. Huge. Mm-hmm. Huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no one around, in most cases, to help them, to even educate them, and they do not know anything else. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even, you know, this this idea that it's coming over the border right. or from another country like China or anything like that, mm-hmm. this dispels that Correct. That that idea. About half of the labor trafficking victims are foreign nationals, but about half of the sex trafficking victims are homegrown. Homegrown. Mm -hmm. Here. Mm -hmm. Right in our backyards. Yes. Happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's (laughs) take a pause on that. Let's go to the these children what are the main is drugs really have is that the most the reason where these parents fail do you do you think it's drug addiction do you think it's the opioid epidemic and poverty i mean is a combination it's a combination but drugs definitely are a huge factor and when you look at the opioid crisis and this epidemic when it comes to that um you see parents priorities um falling by the wayside um there's a lot of different reasons that a child could be removed from their homes. It just, it needs to be abuse, neglect, abandonment, or trafficking, essentially is what it comes down to. Um, But a lot of times, parents are going to, unfortunately, make poor choices and choose drugs over their children. So, abandonment. Um, You do see parents using in front of their kids. You see, I mean, we have kids that are coming into our care who are born Mm -hmm in the hospital, drug addicted, and have to stay in the hospital for seven or eight days to detox. Um, And that's one of the reasons that a child may be removed from from their home and be under DCF supervision. So drugs do play a huge role. So Mm -hmm. Place of Hope also becomes a recovery station, a recovery place. Sure. You could look at it like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because these kids come in with drug addictions as well. Absolutely. I mean, and some of these kids could be in our care for a couple of weeks. They could be in our care for a couple of years. Regardless of their case plan, our goal is to unpack any brokenness that they could have had in their life and pour in a foundation and provide them those seeds and the foundation for them to be able to stand up on their own two feet and realize that they're not, um, they don't have to live their life um, as they've experienced. Their past does not Mm. define them and that they can move forward and we want to be able to equip them with so many resources and tools um, so they can break those statistics um, and just to see some of those stories that have come out of, I mean, our, our the young man who runs our IT department came through our program, graduated, bought his house through Habitat for Humanity. I think mm-hmm. we have our sixth young adult who's bought their home through Habitat for Humanity and is now running our IT department for all of Place of Hope. Amazing. So. So that's a wonderful success story. Yes. Tell us some more success stories. I got to, I got to. Yeah, I got to lighten it up. Some. <laughs> Lift up, up yeah. out of this. <laughs> so, well, so the reason I came to Place of Hope, I really was looking for some intentionality and some purpose in my life. And uh, my background is hotel, restaurant, resort management, advertising and marketing. I ran some banks. I did some different things, definitely not linear and definitely not in the nonprofit sector, but was looking for something and searching for something. And I heard a young man one day on stage at Christ Fellowship give his testimony, how he and his younger brother 
uh, were previously homeless. Their mom had a mental illness, couldn't take care of them. Um, not that she didn't want to, didn't love them, so she she couldn't. Um, so they came into our care, and because of the way that we're set up, we can take in sibling groups. We specialize taking in sibling groups. So Will and Dorson came into our care. Uh, they were couch surfing. They were living in abandoned cars, cars that weren't theirs. They were living in hotel rooms anywhere they could, and they were really in survival mode. Um, and they came into our care. We have wonderful relationships with Jupiter Christian, Lake Park Baptist, and King's Academy. They were able to get into Jupiter Christian. Will ended up graduating with honors mm. and going on to Southeastern University with a scholarship to football. Wow. Um, so when I heard him giving his testimony on stage, I'm just standing there crying. I'm like, okay, this is where I need to be. Um, and to this day, uh, Will comes down every summer and works in our shelter with our boys um, and is an inspiration to them. And he tells them, he's like, look, you know, I went through this. Dorson, Dorson, you put any track, football, anything you put in front of this kid, he yeah. shatters. Yeah. And they are the most well-spoken gentlemen you have ever met. And mm. uh, Dorson right now is going on to vocational school to get his master's plumbers yeah. certification yeah. i don't know what the and it's just it's absolutely amazing they spoke at our hope bash a couple of weeks ago and there was over 700 people in the room and they both gave their testimony and dorson grabbed the mic confident just rolling through like he just had the room mm -hmm. and there's not a dry eye and you remember why why you do yeah. what you do and yeah. that's why i'm here and it's just it's amazing they're my they're my why tell us a little bit about the different heritage spectrums here race basically yeah a lot of black a lot of hispanic a lot of white does it matter is it very completely mixed completely okay. mixed there is not one um there is not one ethnicity that takes favor right. at right. all it really is a mix because that's another myth yeah. or lie that's out there yeah. with all of this yeah you know they, they want to put a sort of uh, either a particular race or yep. religion and it's not around it and it's not not at all drugs don't discriminate nope not anymore drugs <laughs> they ever no, did they never yeah, did. I mean, they don't anymore because it, it really affects all families all it, colors all races it, it really yeah. really truly does um and it's unfortunate to see yeah <laughs> yeah it's unfortunate to see you know and this is you know another talk for another time but um you know how you could have a very stable two-parent household and someone maybe have an injury and they are prescribed medications yeah. and it just gets out of hand. I've seen and it. And it, it, they never want to put their kids in jeopardy. Right. But, it but that chemical dependency takes over yeah. and, and unfortunately things happen. Um, so there there really is no s trafficking, um, child abuse. It really None of that shows any sort of socioeconomic boundary. No. It just... Yeah, the scenarios are... Yep endless yep. and I've you know I'll be the first to say as a physician I've helped and I've, I've sat on bo boards at the hospital and uh, I've seen treated so many drug addiction patients yep. um, they span from multi-millionaires multi-billionaires CEOs yep. top doctors yeah I mean award-winning doctors yep. who you know you would never guess would get uh, involved but it yep. sneaks up on you yep. and these things sneak up on our community yeah. at large. Like I said, we, we deal with everything here on this on this show uh, that has to do with health and wellness and well-being. And this is not just a local problem, but mm -hmm. you're doing your best. And, you're, and Place of Hope is 
is, is in a few counties. Yes, yeah, so, so we are. Grow, you've, you're growing. You continue to grow, but you've grown quite a bit since 2001. Yes, so we cover six counties. Right. North Broward, all the way up to Fellsmere, so Indian River County. Yeah. We are the largest um, and most comprehensive children's organization in South Florida right. and ranked number one in the state of Florida. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you're continuing to grow and do great. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- these numbers uh, since inception. Um, 50 happy and healthy babies and their mothers have been served through uh, Joanne's, Joanne's Cottage. cottage. Yeah. Tell, me, tell us about that. So Joanne's Cottage is that maternity home that I briefly mentioned yeah. earlier. It really was created to be a hybrid of that family-style campus that yeah. we mentioned earlier where we were created and, uh, and then um, bringing together more of that apartment-style, aged-out, um, independent living program. So it kind of bridges those together. So we do have a maternity home for young ladies who are homeless and pregnant. They come to us at any stage in their pregnancy. We prefer if they are on the the beginning stages, so we mm-hmm. have more time t- with these girls. But again, it's very structured. They come into our care. We're not only working through pregnancy and, mm-hmm. and what that looks like, but um, parenting classes, how to be a mom. Right. But also, you have to think, why are they in this program? How do they get to us? So fixing and correcting yes. and helping yeah. um, restore you know anything that happened in their lives previously sure. so you can't just take a, a 10 year old trafficking child for instance with a drug young. addiction mm-hmm. and then put them with a forever family right, right? there's, there's there healing that, that doesn't that has work to happen. Yeah, yep. there's a transition so they're period in there. we had a girl come into our care she was in she was with us um, for just about a year maybe a month or two past a year she was able to catch up with her ged go on to get her cns bought a car, saved enough to get an apartment, moved out, had her um, her baby, and is doing absolutely amazing. And Beautiful. if you look at statistics, that does not happen. No. So. And and so and then so give us a scenario of where one of your two hundred now two hundred and seventy five for forever families mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, can take care of the foster children. Yeah. When does someone transition into that home? Sure. Um, so really an adoption will turn into uh, when the parents' rights have been terminated, mm. the biological parents' rights have been terminated, and their case plan allows them, the foster parent, to go ahead and adopt them. Right. We have, it's our rate is about 20% of our foster families will actually adopt the children. Right. And we tell people don't get into foster care with the intention of adopting because things you can happen. Know, yeah. But yeah. we love when we're able to see them become a forever family. and. Um, we have the Armstead families, one of my favorites, and they're in St. Lucie County. Will actually is the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club of St. Lucie County. And um, they are just an absolutely incredible family. Both of their boys, they were able to foster and adopt them. Previously, the boys were in separate foster homes for two years, and they both had such severe uh, behavioral issues that were they were going from home to home to home because no one could get their behavior under control but it's really because they were just missing their brothers right. their whole lives were turned upside down mm. and then to be separated right. so the armsteads were able to foster them bring them into the same home and everyone therapists teachers friends everyone said these boys night and day complete turnaround and then they were able to adopt them and they are the sweetest most loving boys and I follow them on Facebook and Instagram and you see their vacation stories and these big smiles that if the Armsteads wouldn't have been able to take them in as a sibling group and then adopt them that they wouldn't have had this chance at life. That's a holistic look at health and well-being of life. (laughs) So besides obvious 
obviously getting in touch with Place of Hope mm-hmm. through placeofhope.com mm-hmm. and donating yes. either of money, mm-hmm. maybe time, time volunteering. Talent, treasures, yep. all, what is it? Times, talent, or treasures. Time, talent, treasures. Mm-hmm. Contact placeofhope.com. Yep. Uh, are there other sort of peripheral ways to support by supporting a particular chain uh, or a restaurant you know there's places yeah, that support we place do. of hope that by supporting them yeah. you're supporting place of hope so we have a lot of community partners and on our calendars we'll mm-hmm. list out like california pizza kitchen was doing something last week for us i think uh, chick-fil-a might be this week is doing something for right. us our calendar is constantly changing Good. you follow okay. us on facebook right. you can also see all of those updates wonderful yeah so this is truly a place of hope. Yes. <laughs> it's growing. Yes. Um, this is a cause that you can take up and you can see. Mm-hmm. It's tangible. Tangible. You can feel and see yeah. and connect with what you're doing to yeah. better your community. Exactly. Um, and it's a holistic approach to changing lives because mm-hmm. from root to branch yeah. or even to flower, in most yeah. cases where these, uh, p- these individuals are now flowering into yeah. whole lives and becoming parents of their own and mm-hmm. reestablishing themselves as citizens and yeah. productive human beings. Yeah. All this is being done through Place of Hope. Yeah, and we encourage you to come see the campus so yeah. you can actually see the difference that you're making. It's not just you're sending a check, you're doing an online donation, or you, you're sending money somewhere and you hope that it's worth You can actually come see it. You can touch it. You can talk to the kids. Right. We want you to because when you see it, it makes sense. Right. You could listen to me all day long, and I could answer every. You could look at our website. You could look through our literature. But until you see it and experience it, you just can't. Right. You just can't imagine it. So come down. And I'm sure I, when I was there, nutrition was a big deal. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Uh, healthcare. Yeah. That's all internally done. Yeah. Yeah. We have a huge. We have we have a staff of about 125, um, a full time clinical director, several several case managers uh, for our kids who are on our staff, and they act as the case coordinators for these children, and they are advocating for these kids. So not only do they have the states case managers that they're assigned. A lot of these kids will have a guardian ad litem, um, but our case coordinators really are their, um, their right hand in making sure that they um, are getting everything that they need. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie Bond, yes. the business development and community relations person for A Place of Hope. And again, it's placeofhope.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope you will be in touch with them and support them and continue to support your community and continue to support us, Maximum Health Radio, Quality Living. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. Thanks for having me.
sun.